Hello, hello. Welcome to Recruiting is No Joke. I'm your host, Joe Lalji. Uh, we're thankful to be here with you the day before Thanksgiving and uh, super excited to hang out. So I would love to know if you can get in the chat, let us know who's out there. We uh, want to make this show interactive. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited for the guest today. I think um, we were just chatting beforehand and um, share a lo lot of similarities and just kind of our views on talent. So excited to uh, to hear from Mark today. So Mark, why don't you, uh, if you can, uh, just give us an introduction, like what you do and, uh, and and who you're with, and then we'll get into the conversation. Well, thank you, Joel, for having me. It's good to be here. Thankful uh, on this thankful <laughs> week uh, to be here. So my name's Mark Smith. You'll tell by the accent and the fatigues as we Come on, go now. England! <laughs> yeah. So the three lines all the way. So I know you've got torn, uh, torn loyalties this uh, this Friday with your uh, Blackpool heritage that I just learned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should be sporting England. <laughs> so I'm originally from England, uh, the the UK. So I've been in TA now for a good twenty years. So show my age. Uh, my background before I I started TA was HR and marketing. So that's Very what I cool. studied in Leicester, England. So I'm specifically from Leicester, England. Yes. And I've said this a few times, but I do feel when you add HR marketing, it it creates TA. Yeah. It is, it is. That's the hybrid of that. And my first job was as a result of walking into downtown or high street, as we call it, Leicester. And I walked into a deco and I started off on a temp desk. And mm -hmm. then I went into like a call center environment, which was, they called it the International Contact Center. It wasn't as glamorous as that, but it was cool. And that's where I really got to learn about contracts, referencing, filing, basics. It was a journey. And then I joined Randstad uh, or Randstad, as my Dutch friends would, would say. And I had a great career there. I was there for eight years. Wow. Around that, and that's really where I grew my career in TA. And I, I'm very thankful for that. You know, nine years on the agency side really helped me understand the importance of candidates, the, pro the product in our situation, and the uniqueness of that product, but also the clients. And I still would like to think that my customers, although I'm on the corporate side, are clients of mine. So I, I grew up with Caterpillar. I became uh, recruitment uh, coordinator and I left as the account director so that was a wonderful career journey uh, over eight years it was essentially ended up as the MSP for Caterpillar UK we had about 3,000 temps and oh we did a little bit of RPO as well so I had a big team of about 25 people then Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor Bright Hire the old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at BrightHire are here to help. BrightHire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. And then Caterpillar approached me, uh, my client, and she said, I'm leaving. I was devastated because she was an awesome client, but she then said, followed up by saying, I think you should replace me. And that as a agency service provider was the ultimate... <laughs> Oh, that's special. It was, yeah. you know, I felt it there and I actually felt quite sick because I, I remember turning around and talking to her because I was in a cab in Belfast on the way to meet her team, which would then she'd be my team. But um, it was, a, that was a great moment, a very proud moment. I uh, went through the process, got the job. I was head of UK TA for Caterpillar, so the yellow goods manufacturer. Yeah. Um, it's hard to remember where they're headquartered these days, but I know they're moving to Irving, Texas. They're currently in Deerfield, Illinois. They've still got a lot of operations in Peoria. I grew up there to be head of EMEA TA. So I was head of Europe, Middle East, Africa, talent acquisition, which... How, how big was the, the team? That's about... The, the employee set was about 40,000 employees. 
wow. uh, the teams. We had a mixture of in-house recruiters as well as RPO as well. So I was very proud to implement the first ever RPO within Caterpillar and one of the first, I think, in Africa, Middle East as well uh, with a vendor. So that was that was tough going. But uh, it's about 40,000 people in, t in terms of the team size. Uh, I think in terms of recruiters, it's about 15 to 20. So it's quite a moderate team yeah. in terms of size, for, given the, the amount of hiring we had. And then I joined Amazon. Uh, after that, so after I was at Caspera 2011 to 2017, then in 2017, I, I joined Amazon and I was a head of EMEA TA for a number of business units and Eastern Europe as well. So that was a wonderful experience uh, as a TA professional and I grew a lot as a, as a leader as a consequence of the what felt like dog years. I was only there for 18 months, not like <laughs> five, five years, but it wasn't. It was only 18 months before I was approached by Essie Johnson for senior director of Global TA. And there's a huge amount of transformation we had to go on there from what was a very uh, outsourced model mm. with four RPOs, four ATSs, no real focus on exec, no huge focus on technology. And I was able to be part of an inherited team that was pretty good and then i was able to help hire some more people which made it even better and i'm proud of the legacy uh, that i i left there uh, because i left there in 2021 uh, to join Kraft heinz so that's where i am so um i've got a wonderful start that says, that. let's make life delicious um yes. it's not let's make life a deli so that would be <laughs> it would go yeah, yeah, <laughs> so let's awesome. so i've been here i'm head of talent acquisition for north america zone and world headquarters uh, i also have responsibility for what we call here talent integration so the onboarding of new talent whether yeah. that be a, a mid-career hire or an executive hire so that that really helps bring a level of authenticity to evp because you're not just selling and talking about something the team is also very much connected to what it feels like to work here so there's a, this real connection there that i'm very proud of yeah i love that so how in terms of the team right now how how big is the team so we have a team we have a model of full-time employees as well so in terms of recruiters that cover hourly the salary positions executive uh the technology side of things and brand uh, it's between 45 and 50 people that we have in the team. From an RPO point of view, we work with normally one RPO partner, but we have uh, dabbled uh, a little bit from time to time. But we have had up to 14 people with the RPO. Currently, it, it's not that that great in volume, but uh, I appreciate the agility they afford us uh, as well. So that's that's the team. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that and. Uh... Yeah, it's just cool to cool to hear your story as well. Just in terms of, I mean, I obviously looked at your background, uh, you know, and invited you on the show because you have such an extensive background, like in agency, but then also obviously uh, working um, mm. on, on corporate as well. Um, I guess you know, in terms of like where we are in in the market right now, um, I'm just curious to kind of obviously like tech is experiencing a lot of layoffs, and there's there's a lot of turbulence in in the market. How has it been? uh for, for you guys just in terms of um i guess you know have you been impacted as well with like everything's going on like what, what does that look like for you guys so for us it it, it certainly remains a cautious time uh for, i think for obviously for a lot of companies we have not been impacted like the the tech organizations have i think you know, for various reasons the the markets we're in we're grateful to be able to be a company that can provide a variety of products and brands around the world and food and spices and ingredients drinks like kool-aid yeah. cheeses we we provide a lot of foods that we we feel are well positioned in, in the market to, to meet different consumers in different levels in terms of what they're looking to taste or buy that people need to eat so as long as people need to eat and for as long as people are enjoying our brands and we're making great quality products I feel we're in a we are in a, a position where we can remain stable we're not looking at huge layoffs we do always continue to 
retweak and refine our organization and that does allow us to hire talent also it does give us opportunities to uh, look at the the team size in those situations so I, I wouldn't say we're immune from any layoffs in total but from a market point of view we're we're not um, we're not uh, looking to do any huge layoffs if anything I think we've got about 300 live vacancies yeah. in North America right now uh, and that's that's across all salary positions if I was to include the plants uh, <laughs> you pr probably had another thousand or fifteen hundred plant vacancies on there so we're we're very much in hiring mode as a team and the team are very busy yeah yeah that's great and I you know that's one of the things that across platforms like I know uh, I was telling you before I've gotten pretty active on TikTok for example and yeah. there is a huge fascination uh, with the tech industry as a whole and you know, it kind of puts people in a unique situation now where, you know, jobs that they were applying for that were already difficult to get. Now they've just gotten even more challenging to get with with the layoffs that we're seeing. So a lot of the advice that I give is to look at other industries that, like you said, are going to be more stable um, Are mm. you know, obviously nothing is 100% stable. We know that. But obviously, you know, you're in a market which still has demand. So um, I guess, like, do you see, do you view this right now, like, as a time for, like, your organization to be able to uh, maybe pick up, you know, candidates to have conversations that you wouldn't have been able to have 18 months ago? Yeah. Like, how do, how do you approach that? Yeah, it's a great, it's a good question and good thought. I, I'm with you that when it comes to sector, that sector, that kind of die, I kind of see that mixing, that, that movement is so important for so many reasons diversity of thought diversity of background the, the way somebody's going to think to not just think cpg or food and bev is helpful it, it, it's helpful to have that but it's also helpful to not have that homogenous way of thinking and it, it's good to get in different environments yeah the, the challenge often is people are used to working on linear careers and sticking in their lane so there is this often individual mentality to 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 be safe or to to assume that's that i have to stay in finance or pharma the, the so the challenge is evp on, on the other end of that is is are we providing that value proposition as an employer to those candidates in the market and actually about a year ago the challenge for us was we're an organization that's on a journey to be more digital to transform ourselves as an organization that can utilize these channels to engage our consumers and to utilize data in a way that can better inform us as a company in terms of the decisions we make from marketing to supply chain yeah so we need skill sets we need data scientists we need individual data engineers people that can help us codify and move move things forward so when we were advertising our roles as Kraft Heinz the the issue we found was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> making mayonnaise, or, or can I work? <laughs> you know, can I work for Uber <laughs> or Meta or Alphabet? You know, there are all these the tech firms dominate yeah. tech talent, and I feel now that it it's horrific that you know some of the stories that I see on Twitter and I see online regarding some of the treatment uh, of these workers. And some hand, I don't know all the details, so I can't comment. But some yeah. of the anecdotal stuff that I've seen is 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 a pity. Certainly, that's that's coming out of uh, Twitter. And I hope that we, as an as an organisation, not just Kraft Heinz, but some of those different industries that has digital vacancies, yeah. whether that's automotive, retail, or Kraft Heinz. And we're more than happy to engage. We have about 35, 40 vacancies in, in the digital arena. So no way near enough to um, accommodate the vast number we've seen in the market. But I hope that people actually know that we're serious about being, being better, being more futuristic, being agile, being one of the most innovative food companies in the world. We, we want to be the most indispensable food company in America. We, we want to make a difference. And we know that the digital life we're a part of, the, the exact form we're on, you know, the phone that I've been checking on the World Cup soccer scores on, <laughs> it, we're all connected and there's such powerful channels for us. And the data yeah. behind that is so powerful. So I feel as though there's an EDP twist now 
and I actually hope in some ways, despite this pain for, for a lot of people that it gives them an opportunity to diversify their career portfolio and look at other players, because certainly there's a lot of us out there. We're really interested in, in hiring great talent, uh, especially tech talent as well. Yeah. So we're, I hope it changes things and it hopefully will give us an opportunity to better enable ourselves as a potential career destination for somebody with tech talent. Uh, and maybe they'll think of it differently now because sadly the bruising this is going to create associated with the tech market, assuming people have memories. <laughs> <laughs> just just ring, thinking of 2020 again, where all the companies <laughs> shedded their talent acquisition teams and then quickly tried to scoop them up last year. And it yeah. was kind of, kind of a mess. But yeah, I, I, it's interesting because a lot of organizations that I talk to that are more traditional, like there's a, a nonprofit I talked to not long ago that their massive push over the next couple of years is to go more digital and they very similar to, to, to how you guys are, where you're wanting to become more of a, you know, a digital organization, use that data and like have the, have those insights. And, cool. um, and so I, I guess I'm curious, like, how do you, I mean, you mentioned like the EVP, but, but like how, how, I guess overall are you approaching that kind of change in, in view and mentality of, of, uh, you know, kind of getting away from, hey, we're just a traditional food company. Like, how do you kind of, is that is that through recruiting? Is it employer branding? Like, how do, how do you kind of work that through the uh, the org? It's it's a lot. It's real, like, it's, I think of this spinning wheel of, you know, game shows that the element of EVP has got to matter that person in that moment, and that will differ based on the individual so it's so many different things i think the good thing that we have as as craft heinz is we leverage our product first and foremost so people will come across um i've got a product near me i'm not branding this now but like <laughs> mayo you know this is uh, a fruit punch you know drink but we have products everywhere and we reckon i know the, the more classic ones would be heinz ketchup yeah uh, philadelphia cream cheese kool-aid Grey Poupon and Tater Tots. We've got loads of products that we're we're behind. So we we thankfully have things that people can touch, taste, feel, smell, uh, and hopefully, you know, most people find them delicious and tasty. Um, I know baked beans isn't one that a lot of my uh, American friends are yet fond of, but I'm very fond of <laughs> Are beans. you making like an internal push for that? Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I think if I'm if my career fails in TA, I'm 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 here to be a brand manager for, for baked beans. I so I think that. we're lucky that we have product brands that we yeah. can get people to to think about us in in that way. But we're not as cool as say Apple's product brand. You know that I think that they lead with that as well. That they, you know, that's that's very slick. It's a personal. You can touch that. Um, it it helps you in your life. You know, and I've got, I've got that as as well. But the the products help because it has. I think for us, it has more of a nostalgia, a sentimentality mm -hmm. that people will remember um, eating mac and cheese in the dorms, or they will remember perhaps not being able to afford certain food, so they may have had. Oscar Mayer wieners or something and, and it it takes them back that smell that moment or that fun jello or something there's a moment and what's really interesting is we asked that question during our onboarding like talk to us about your first experience or a cool product experience and what's your weirdest mix like how do you rig some of our products up or, or put our products on other things so products matter you know we do we do we're lucky to have them and that's not always the case that wasn't that easy at caterpillar or right. something like that because it wasn't accessible as much as people would like to drive a backhoe loader or a mini excavator you couldn't really relate to that whereas here's we had the product the the reputation the classical sense is the reputation and we do rely on our employees so you know we have 40,000 employees globally and we want our employees to be advocates for us and our culture and to carry our culture to be culture carriers so you know we, we believe in our people and our alumni and our retirees as well you know so that that's important i think that these are the basic ingredients but what we put out there in terms of content has to be authentic and has to be I say authentic what i mean by this real it, it can't be something that we aspire to be it should be something that we are um 
because we are on a journey as a company we we know we're we're not for everyone we know we're not perfect but we we are we are really trying to be the coolest company and the best company and and the way we try and do that in terms of getting it across is through the stuff we do would be from a ta lens would be arming our recruiters with business knowledge connecting them as business partners to specific functions so they're not so generalist so our recruiters are aligned by say that's communications or sales or r d that allows them to have more functionalized depth of awareness that when they do they are talking to their their target, their candidate, they can talk with a level of of understanding that business rather than just a high level. But they're also yeah. connected to be part of one team. And what we're also doing within this as well is giving our recruiters the assets so that they've got talking points as well. So that, that helps them because we are doing so much stuff. And we want to make sure that our recruiters are capable and able to deal with questions that they may get. Um, uh, difficult questions like why do you advertise on Fox News or um, what's your stance on vaccinations? So I want to make sure that recruiters that join the team, we 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 did hire a lot when I got here, that they're they're comfortable in this seat when they're talking to candidates and not feeling allowed to fluff their lines or just make something up hmm. um, to to pacify the candidate. So the the way we're doing it, we're trying to build something organic that we will put out the content ourselves as Craft Irons and that's managed by my team. So there'll be posts on, on Craft Irons, but also we really want our employees to talk about us. And we don't know, we're not doing that in the form of training, like say it this way, do it this way, <laughs> use this tone of voice. Like we we want them to be them. We hide them for their them, their uniqueness. So we obviously the standards and etiquette, please don't you know, swear, <laughs> write yeah. blasphemous things and take pictures of our top secret sauce recipes. <laughs> you know, the, these are obvious things for any company, but we want them to express themselves as people. Uh, we demand diversity as one of our six critical values and we want, we, we want that. So I think for us, I, I'm, what I'm trying to, to, to leverage more and certainly every day but it's how can we help give our employees and those associated with us the courage and confidence that it's okay to post. It's okay to to talk about your day, and we want we want that because that level of transparency, I think, is is attractive. It's human. Yeah. And one of our other things we talk about a lot, and I, I'm sorry to sound like a corporate boy on this, but empathy and care sits very deeply in our leadership principles. It's not something. These are connotations that. When I thought of Kraft Heinz a couple of years ago, when I was approached, I wouldn't have associated those words with what I had heard. I, I, I was subscribing to some form of prejudice of what I'd heard about Kraft Heinz. And empathy and care wasn't the two words I thought of, but here we, we do, we care about people. Um, I, I'm sure not all employees feel that way, but I, I really want them to. And certainly those that I can impact and, and connect to, I, that, that's what I try and lead with. Do you think that there's, um, and I'm just curious from like even other organizations you've been at, because I was actually having this conversation yesterday where obviously like you have your employer brand, which is, you know, I mean, when it comes to like the actual content that comes out, it's very much in line with marketing. It's got a brand voice. You want it to be a certain way. Mm. But then there's this idea too of like when it comes to culture, like your people are culture. And so then if we live in a time where you know, each individual person has like an online footprint and that's only going to grow, right? As like, you know, kind of younger people come into the workforce that are just have grown up with social media and that's how they communicate. Mm. Um, I, I guess, do you see just within large corporations, like more of like a fear around, okay, we're kind of worried about what people might post, but like also like we want them to post, like where, I, I guess, what what's the overall feeling yeah. with I guess just leadership in your experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's it. There are organisations out there that would perhaps rather control the the story in total. My view is opposed to that. That we we don't own the social media accounts, and even if we did, that the personality is what makes that individual 
special you know their strengths their skills yeah that was make them either a great leader or a great client manager or a great salesperson you know a great team member so the stance here very much we have a social media policy i'm pleased that we're not an organization that that spouts that all the time because i think that would drive the fear of or can i post or can i not post but my view on this is that if you are providing the the right setting and conditions and for your employees and that by what i mean by that would be the values that we have the code of conduct that we live by the leadership principles uh, and that all that those pillars should fit around and they do fit around our mbos which are our management uh, by objectives so our, our goals our kpis yeah the way in which we manage our individual growth plans our one-to-ones the conversations we have in town halls that if, if we're providing the that and making sure it's consistent that we are demanding diversity, we dare to do better, we do the right thing. And these are just a few of our values that if they're baked into, and this, this isn't like horrible tribal dialect that you will be a cool, you know, it's, this is, <laughs> these are quite good values. These are good things that we, we care and we want to do the right thing. It is, we, I'm looking at the wall now is we do the right thing as it's next to a pickle, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, we do the right thing and it, it is important to us. I think if you drive those conditions, in your house that the behaviors will be connected to that and yeah. one of our values is we own it and we want our people to to own it they to think like business leaders to think like this is their own business so if you own it you're not going to um be a bad person online or, or do something that is not going to be good for your business uh, as well so I think for us, that's that's how we try to approach this. Is you know, we've uh, saw a comment there. You know, certainly human-centric approach to, to how we do this. We want that. That that's that is an, uh, another value. We demand diversity. That word demand is so important. We we want people to to be out there, to be proud. You know, within their community of their products of their team. Yeah. Also, you might better. Sh- bad day i've almost swore then joel you might, have a, <laughs> <laughs> you might have had a bad day and be real you I, know well, but yeah. you know about that it's been a bad day you know but but be, but be thoughtful about what you're saying next you know i think that's the you know because that's a conversation to be had with the manager or the peer not not online and those moments do happen they've happened i've worked for a number of companies have you heard and uh, you know, we have to coach employees on on, on that, and that's just life now. As as you see online, people yeah. are very comfortable to have a strong opinion um, on various topics. So, yeah, it's such a it's it's so interesting because I think with LinkedIn in particular, it's obviously like a professional platform, but the swing of the platform has gone a lot more into like vulnerability, personal stories, um, and I think in particular for like smaller brands, I see it as a huge asset. For them because it allows them to amplify their voice in a way that they just wouldn't have been able to you know whatever 10 years ago um so it can be really powerful like imagine just being a small brand and you can go viral and pick up millions of, of views on social media i mean it's huge and you're doing yep. it for pretty much free but then for larger companies it is a real challenge because um you know what you don't want is people just posting like out of emotion in a moment of time and not even like you know necessarily showing showing like a moment of time just out of emotion i guess and which happens all the time as well on social but uh we did have a we did have a question here too sorry if you if you were going to say something there no that's no, just breathing in <laughs> yeah i just uh i just got, have a, a question here from jen so jen's just asking just kind of just in terms of like the the structure of the team i mean you know you mentioned like you've got the specialization where mm-hmm. you'll have the, the different focuses but um what about like with, I guess, just the overall team structure? Yeah. Like, how do you have that set up? And is that something you had to change when you came in and, and kind of change the approach? Yeah, so it's, it's great to see the question. So thank you, Jen, for the question. The The way in which we set up the team is we've got three, probably four, four roles. It, it It's um, a formation. It's a, forgive the sporting analogy, but <laughs> the, there are, different angles to attack 
the the target you know with this so we have talent acquisition coordinators the talent acquisition coordinators which is my first role a very important part to the team to ensure that candidate experience and we talk about the consumer experience a lot that our candidates are our consumers we still want them yeah. to buy our product we want them to be not only buy our product they want them to like our product and and to actually feel good about their experience with us and the truth is 99 percent of our candidates don't go through to uh, get an offer you know and probably 97 percent don't get through to assessment so we have a lot of candidates and consumers we have to take care of so the TACs are an important part of the puzzle for the candidate engagement and the candidate experience, especially in the scheduling and um, conversational part uh, of it. The TABPs, as we call them, uh, so the talent acquisition business partners or the recruiters, they have a, a broader role. Uh, I would say a role that is becoming much more consultative uh, by nature. So they have a rec workload, but their their focus will be on the, the posting they will have some responsibility with with sourcing. How we help them do that, there's a focus we have right now, and we'll be working more on this in 2023 to give the recruiters more access to know your market better. So whether that be through uh, Talent Insights of, of LinkedIn through to actually just looking back at the rec from the past. And I, I'm curious how many recruiters actually do look back the last couple of years or when we filled this role. Uh, have you looked back at the age of... Um, requisition in the past you know what was the time to offer what was the diversity of candidates what was a successful source was there any uh silver medalist that we could go back to there's a lot of that a lot of just good basics i think we need to get better at and that's across the board i could say that in any organization i think now but the recruiters would would continue to do some sourcing we have a talent intelligence team as well and that talent intelligence team would focus on the research that matters most so more more critical roles those roles that hurt us. So we wouldn't say that they could take all the roles. I think that would be delightful for the TABPs if if a tip <laughs> team did that. But we'd rather they be the the ninjas that come in and do those roles that matter or the research that matters for the business. Um, the talent intelligence partners, the tips, have got very unique skill sets that allow them to research they're just very good at research and they're very good at telling the story and presenting that and often providing great recommendations uh that team is so we we utilize them carefully you know how we do that the other part of the house the last part that fourth part is a talent acquisition specialists so we have a team of talent acquisition specialists who drum up real awareness of who we are and a lot of that is lesser with the corporate offices like here in Chicago, I'm in the Aon building in Chicago, in downtown uh, Chicago. We have big offices in Pittsburgh and we have an office as well in Toronto and other sales locations like in Target, uh, Walmart, etc. But we have over 30 plants in North America and we're trying to do more within the community mm. to, to, to them to understand who we are as an employer and to do more with the community with families, with events, things from tater tot festivals to heritage events. Recently we had uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll interlace our product with that, like Delimax uh, as one of our products. And we will speak to people and and talk to the community. So we've got a wonderful team, the talent acquisition specialists and their role is is especially to go out and talk to people and to drive that community outreach. And that does include what we would call some traditional channels of advertising, like cool stuff now, like being on Spotify, being on the Metro, the bus transportation, um, being out there on the radio, even the signage, you know, so we do do a lot of those, the talent acquisition specialists really try that activity to make sure we're known and understood uh, in the market. So the formation of the team has worked well. As a consequence, we, rarely use the traditional agency to find roles so that that as an indicator of cost of hire is is positive in that we we have a team that's able to get these people and i also feel that that secret kind of fifth team member in this story would be our employment brand team mm. who drive the content to affect those active and passive candidates with stuff and they're not our employees if they're hitting them as well 
the goal is that people join us, you know, come to our table, um, not for us to pull people to our table. So uh, it's a real team effort, but a long way of saying, yes, the recruiters still do uh the source thing. <laughs> uh, i like to give rich answers yeah no i, I love hearing uh just how kind of how you guys structure everything and uh I, you know i have a lot of questions boiling in my head i guess i guess the one of the things that you touched upon is this idea of candidate experience which i i think is just becoming more and more of an issue for you know pretty much it's always been an issue for, for companies right and it's it's but it's also been something that I think everybody has kind of just gone, well, everybody's not doing that great of a job with it. We can kind of do better. But like you say, 99% of people who apply aren't going to get a job because there's limited uh, limited openings. And um, I talked to chief people officers last week who, very similar thing, like, you know, thousands and thousands of applicants for a really small amount of positions. So you're having to do a lot of rejection. Now, they were, you know, a real estate company, so they weren't, you know, their customers weren't really, you know, it wasn't like a consumer base. So I'm super interested in like how you manage the kind of like, Hey, these are our day. You know, a lot of these people are our customers and like how you kind of like keep people accountable, but I don't want to say accountable because it kind of makes it seem like the recruiters are deliberately not doing something, but like, how do you actually, I guess, create that positive ex- candidate experience and, and you know, how, when, when you're just getting so many people apply, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious about that the a big part of this is the feedback i've had in the past and when i speak to people about our industry is for some time i don't think i think it's faded i hope it's faded but the recruitment industry would would have a similar one to to that of some sales like estate agents or realtors in some ways it's worse car salesman yeah yeah Yeah, the it wouldn't be the positive side either it was it no, that's good. it's still alive and good. If you all you got to do okay. is scroll LinkedIn for like two minutes and okay. uh, got some bashing of recruiters going on. Yeah, it's, it, there's a bit of a slimy element to it that can come across, and I don't think that's intentioned. I hope it's not intentioned, but I think a lot of the recruiters have the eye on the prize, and the eye on the prize is the probably the the clear four or five candidates that have that meet the expectations and probably more and the hiring manager is going to love. Mm-hmm. And then there might be another 55 candidates that need to be dispositioned as a consequence of that. The, the, the balance of, of how you send a message is important, but what we have to be focused on, and I, I want this team to, my team and any team to be to remain focused on is, is to be timely and respectful of people. Mm. I have no doubt we make mistakes in terms of getting back to people in a timely manner but that that is so important to give clarity and that clarity gives respect and dignity for that person that's made an effort to update their resume and maybe tailor it for craft Heinz and then click send and or upload and um and not to hear back would suck and that that doesn't give a good candidate experience let alone you know the, they may walk by our products in walmart and we don't want that you know we want them to to engage loyally with the brand as well. So we have to be very careful about that. The The messaging itself as well is important. So getting that right tone of voice, there's been a focus on that as well within our team, like how we say that. We wanna be consistent. We don't wanna sell a lie. We don't wanna celebrate that you've not got a job or, but we, but to, to utilize human language. And once again, I think that's another area that we must always be better at to respect the the individuals that that do apply um because the truth is 97 percent don't don't make it through and but but we want them to reapply again because they, they might be you know they might be right for that role just for this role they weren't yeah so it's definitely a tough one it, it, and we do make use of technology for that but but the templates we use within that technology I care very deeply about the words we use the, to, to get it right and the, the support I'm impressed with for all the organizations offer candidates that perhaps need a bit of help. I've, I've benchmarked other organizations and TA teams that I love that when they offer candidates some counsel or support or training, free access, I think that's fantastic. And uh, I'd love for us to be able to do more to, to offer candidates to help them 
get better and maybe there's something that we can help them on but also we have to be careful in certain markets about what we say in terms of how we can implicate ourselves so so often it can be it can go against us to be honest as well yeah i mean it's I've been honest a couple of times, obviously on agency, you can, you, it's, it's a whole different thing, right? In, in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, you're representing the brand, but you know, obviously it's just, it's, a, it's obviously just different on agency side, but um, I know a couple of times early on in my career, I gave feedback of things and I found that people don't, people don't want feedback. People want the job, right? So uh, yeah. either way you package a denial or rejection, it's, it, you know, it's going to be tough news. Um, I mean, you've been in, obviously you've been in recruitment for a long time. So like, do you think that technology, obviously it's made it easier to apply, but has technology kind of impacted the candidate experience in a negative way in, in your opinion? Or like, I guess, what are your thoughts with like just technology as a whole as it equates to recruitment? Yeah, I think it's prudent usage that it can enhance your team's efficiency, but I am not a fan of chatbots at all mm. personally I've, so that element um so I, I wouldn't recommend a vendor to reach out with a chatbot feature to me i feel is overused often annoying yeah um i just don't think it's there yet and actually i would value the human experience when it matters most so the I, I really like the text recruiting technology. I think that that gives an efficiency, a speed, a convenience that I'm on my phone here. I just want to text about a job. And is, is that more for like the, the plants than yeah. the corporate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I, I still feel is that, that that probably often there's a separation of, of certain channels, certain um, skill sectors. But I feel as though that's one that I'd love to see coming more. I think in the UR, university relations, and uh, some other areas, we could probably expand that. But the, for me, the the importance with where you can optimize technology is where you can continue to personalize and customize it to the person. Uh, to, and what we talk about a lot from a, a sales environment is to de-average the customer. So that approach for me is de-average the candidate and to think about how we gonna we're gonna engage that that person. So for executive, it's very white glove, hands on, old school. You know, we, we seldom sending faxes, but we we very <laughs> hands on in that regard. Whereas over here we're, with Owly, we're, we're much more focused on um, the the text recruiting, more speed, more Facebook. Uh, in other areas, uh, we're you know the where we can automate certain parts of the the journey, we use it. But um, yeah, I, I I heavily believe in the artistry of the recruiter as well. But but to get on them with some technology to give them some speed and to help with quality but i'm still yet to be convinced when it comes to those um replacement of say attack with a robot or a chatbot and um the other would be some of the sourcing tools i'm i'm still a bit more cautious of around um kind of ai sourcing um so that that's that's something we we haven't explored yet and I would, I would, as a leader, maybe this is me being too long in the tooth, would need a bit more convincing of the, the ethical compliance around some of those tools, especially an organization that demands diversity. I want to make sure that we're working with code that is, is, is hygienic um, and certainly in line with being inclusive. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. Well, I know we're, uh, we're at the top of the hour yeah. here and it always so it's so quick. By. I know, it, honestly, that's, it's one of the things that I just, with these conversations, they I feel like time accelerates really, really quickly, and um, and then I'm left at the end going, oh, I wish I could kind of go back in time. But we have to do a part two when you uh, when you need uh, you're desperate for uh, another person. To no, see. we should we should definitely. Uh, one of the things we're throwing around is maybe setting up like a like a little bit of a live studio. So if cool. I have guests in Chicago and like because we have we have like a we have a number of podcasts anyway at Hirewell, which uh, we could cool. utilize that for as well. So it's not just this, but uh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to do a, a part two. Um, yeah. Maybe sometime next year, but I'd, re, re, before we go, I'd, I'm just curious, like what um, I'm just curious on like your kind of outlook for 2023 when it comes to like re recruitment sector as a whole, yeah. you know, agency, obviously a lot of people um, particularly in like with RPOs, um within tech a lot of tech recruiters hurting so i guess like what's your take on kind of what we're seeing what we've seen in the market and yep. a little prediction for 2023 yep. if you will 
Yeah, uh, it's a tough one, but agency, I'll start off with that. I think the, the recruitment agency space, I value that on a personal level because it's where I, I came from. And I think that the agency space where the value can come in is through really the understanding of the marketplace and understanding the Canada sphere that surrounds that that coming in with that value um, and any and any additional value around that which might be to support your client with understanding of their place in the market around EVP the word on the street uh, compensation that market movers and shakers that that would be something I, I would value more of and I'm starting to see perhaps a trend towards that uh, more more data more research the you know less of the sales I think that's where we we get a bit of a beating because of the sales side of it but more of the value insight driving side would would actually get a seat at the table I think to or come in and talk to us that's interesting rather than mm. here's a candidate a nameless resume you know it, it's too that's that is like semi facts for me I want more than that I can find that person now on LinkedIn thank you you know so the Although I think RPO will, will, I think will continue to be important and that, that will afford organizations the agility. I think that that is an area for me that I also value deeply that yeah. it gives us the ability to not, if I was just to have an FTE team, I'd be eating into it, hiring and firing. Uh, having an RPO gives us the, the elasticity to uh, partner with them and hopefully for people to stay with us for a long period. Sometimes it, it just can't happen, but, but we, we, we do so in a way that we're respectful we give lots of notice and uh, often 90 days and then by then it may have even shifted you know we're back again you know so i think that's that's that is uh going to remain important but then i think from a corporate side the what will continue to be a challenge and a focus i'm interested in the digital digital skills there's there's been a skill shortage for some time how that works out and shapes out that i'm I'm intrigued how that's going to work. The digital skill set, the hourly is an issue, especially in the USA. I do feel that immigration policy would need to be something to look at because there is a skill shortage and a lack of desire. Yeah. I think and I've witnessed this in Europe for some time, but certainly in the USA and Canada, that do people want to work on the shop floor or how do we market jobs on the shop floor? better yeah. than we are today we have to tell story tell better but hourly and digital i think continued there's going to be a, a continued fight for dominance when it comes to esg diversity aspirations that their areas of whether it's women leadership people of color hiring uh, veteran hiring uh, reaching out to different communities or protected characteristics as i would call them that that you know to 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 be competitive and authentic is going to continue to be a challenge for for the market. For me, top two challenges are, are in there for me are, are actually how we focus on the hourly recruitment model and how we win that. That is a real challenge. It's a real swamp environment yeah. to keep higher attract talent. It's a, it's tough, especially in remote locations where it's more rural. It's a finite community. It's, it's getting tough out there. Um, so we need to find ways to be more creative and disruptive there. And that, that's something that's going to be important for my team. And then the other is, as I mentioned at the end, around diversity and inclusion aspirations. We we have to continue to, to build on the progress we've made, uh, especially around women and leaders, uh, people of color hiring, uh, et cetera, and more. We've got to continue to demand diversity. We can't relax with that. We've got to continue to meet people where they're at in terms of the communications of our opportunities and and pull people in authentically for the right you know with the right reasons for them wanting to work for a company like us yeah we have a great company store upstairs with ketchup and so. <laughs> <laughs> no, i love that yeah i mean definitely uh, I, I i think the hourly um recruiting whether whether that's in supply chain and logistics manufacturing i mean it is brutal and mm. uh, it's like you said, it's there's just a lack of talent when it comes to it. But the same with the digital side as well. So uh, I think there's an idea right now that there's because there's a lot of layoffs. Like somehow 
it's just super easy to pick up talent. And I'm like, what world are you guys living in? It's not, it's, it's the pendulum has swung in some ways, but it yeah. was never, it wasn't like there was ever been enough people to fill the roles <laughs> in the first place. So no. uh, you've got to, you, like you said, you've got to, you've got to keep that focus. And uh, I love, I love everything you said. Well, um, Mark, I really appreciate it. And just, just as a, a reminder to everybody as well, like I'm, I actually just took all of 15 episodes, put them on iTunes and Spotify. So this episode will, uh, we'll get that on, onto the, you know, I, iTunes and Spotify over the next week or so. Um, and then Mark, what's the best place for like people to follow you, connect with you? Like where, where, where's the best place? I say LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. LinkedIn. Cool. Yeah. My, my Twitter, uh, corporate Twitter account is needs a lot more love, but link, <laughs> link, LinkedIn is yeah somewhere I religiously check. Um, yeah several times a day so i uh, i'll say linkedin awesome yeah. yeah and definitely uh follow mark on linkedin because uh, one of the things i noticed too which we didn't talk about but his team um gives him a lot of love as well and and really kind of like speaks as just kind of the leader you are which is leading with the empathy and care for your team so uh i definitely so follow mark too he's got just good insights too and like just the the market as well so uh Everybody out there, we uh, we appreciate you. I know Kimberly, Jennifer, Mariam, Marnie, Vanessa, Antoinette, uh, Chris, Travis, all you guys out there appreciate it. And um, I would go back and listen to this episode again. And Mark, we'll have to uh, definitely have to do it again. And uh, yeah, last last prediction: USA or England? <laughs> I'm going to say England. I'm going for I think two one England. Two one. Two one. Right. I think it'll be tight, but. Yeah, USA got to have to win because of the Wales draw. Yeah, um, they're really, but a draw wouldn't be bad for USA either or us. So I think two one though, two one England. Yeah, you? I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I it, for me, I can I could see a little bit. I could see three one to be honest with you, because I think, like from what I saw against Wales, there's definitely some uh, some strength there early on, but I think like at the end. When I look at some of the best players in the U.S. and then just compare them, a lot of them are teammates, and you know they 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 know the style of how. Uh, you know, obviously Pulisic, who's yeah. you know, the best player, he plays with half the English team, and they play together yeah. all the time. So that's a huge advantage in my mind. Yeah, understanding um, his strengths. Yeah, because he's definitely the the biggest weapon for USA. But yeah, USA getting stronger. Yeah, as a team, but um, and Wales are a good team. Yeah. Against Wales, I was, like, yeah, they got Ram, like Ramsey on there is really good. Bale, obviously, Bale, he's a little bit class. older, but yeah. I mean, he's they do they have a they had a pretty good team. I was surprised at how many of those players were actually because I feel like a decent amount of them would make yeah. England team. Premier League, so. Yeah, there's a lot of Premier League players there. Yeah, yeah, awesome, Mark. Well, I appreciate it. Happy um, Thanksgiving as well, Joe. Yes, happy. Oh, man, how could I forget that? Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> to everybody out there as well. Looking forward uh, to getting feedback from this episode. And as always, we'll be back, I think, yeah, next week uh, with another guest at 2 p.m. Central on Wednesday. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Mark. I'm thank end this you, broadcast. Joe. Yeah, you're welcome. Great to see you. Have a good Have one. This.